you're listening to Baby Steps with Matt and Adam, where we learn the basics of the Christian faith together through steps so small they seem ridiculous. Let's get going. Coming in at 9 and 10 of the Ten Commandments. Number 9, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? This means... We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. Wow. All right. Uh, Let's move on to number 10. Yeah. You shall not covet your neighbor's spouse, servants, or his animals, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean, Adam? It means we should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and do their duty. All right. We are here at the the final two commandments. Yeah. And we're combining them together because they kind of, they, they go together and they work together. And we see an interesting transition in these two commandments from the previous ones where you move from uh, external actions to internal thoughts. This is what makes the Ten Commandments really brilliant and obviously from God because up until until, uh, the Ninth Commandment, Yes, these are things that you can just legalistically keep. Mm -hmm. Like, I did not kill, I did not steal... But here in coveting, it really does start to look at your heart. And I think it's added here uh, for that very reason, Mm -hmm. because it's exploring your heart, your heart's desire uh, for yourself selfishly and towards others, how how you're going to relate. So that really stealing and um, lying and murdering are kind of covered under these last two. Yeah, I I think so. Um, The way I've started to think about them to kind of sum them up is like, you do not covet your neighbor's things or relationships. And as we move through the commandments, we start with like the most immediate thing to your neighbor, which is your neighbor's life. And then you move further and further away. And then you finally end up in your own heart. And this is where all harm towards your neighbor begins is in your heart. Yeah, it is like cyclical almost. Mm-hmm. But really, yeah, because it starts with obey your parents as the outward expression. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. as a baby, yeah. you have these external laws. Then it moves through murder and stealing mm-hmm. and lying and adultery and all these things towards outwardly. And then it does end up, like you said, in your heart where God is saying, look, the law begins in your heart. The root cause of coveting mm-hmm. uh, is a heart that is not content a heart that wants more, that desires something that someone else has. And this is a very basic root cause in, we believe, of course, in the sinfulness of mankind, that as a result of Adam and Eve, we have all been born now in this mm-hmm. sinful, selfish nature. Yeah. And so even in the Ten Commandments, we get to um, something that Jesus will address, which is the heart issue. But it's there in the Ten Commandments, in coveting. Yeah. And... I- I think um, explicitly this starts to really address the ways we try to work around uh, the appearance of evil 
into getting things that we want uh, and getting the desires of our heart, which is corrupt, and where we start to uh, undermine our neighbor because we believe they do not deserve the things that they have, which I think right now is probably where we're at, is we start to... You and me? Uh, where our culture, at? yeah, yeah, <laughs> where you and I are at, I start to believe that you don't deserve the things that you have, oh, so yeah. I'm slowly trying to steal your kids from you. Oh, um, cool. Just thought, let you know. Uh, no, but I think it's too late. I think right now, currently in our culture, is we we have this these ideas of uh, what's right and what's wrong, mm-hmm. and when we believe people are wrong, they don't deserve anything that God has given them, and so we start to try to figure out how to take it from them. Right, but. I think it all starts from uh, our own corrupt nature in our hearts where we just want what they have. And so yeah. we're trying to figure out a decent way to get it from them. Right. So the, the, two, the two topics here, it's broken up in nine and ten, really mm-hmm. are your house, your inheritance. Mm-hmm. So like historically, it's land. It's the inheritance of the land and mm-hmm. the opportunity to work it. And so, again, throughout history, you'd be scheming to get a really nice piece of land. Right. Like you have it, you don't know how to use it. I could really use it. And so I'm going to work within the law to basically steal it from you. And, uh, and that's not right. So mm-hmm. like, I want what you have. I don't think you deserve it. I will use it better. Right. And so then you're working against people. And really that's what advertising does. It, it tries to make you, like all advertising is to say, you're not happy without this. You need it. Yes. Now go get it. Yeah, you will be happy. So really, the first form of coveting is this idolatry that something out there will make me more happy. Yes, and something out there uh, will solve my um, my sadness. It will it will make me happy, and it'll make me. Right now, I have ingratitude, and it'll make my life complete. That's the lie. Yeah, or even, I think, right now we'd settle for less miserable. Less miserable, yeah. right? <laughs> And so you see this like with David and Bathsheba. He starts mm-hmm. wanting Uriah's wife. Well, that's the second part. So there's things. And then, then it really breaks apart to people. Yeah. And this is interesting to me because your heart might, sometimes your heart just wants things, mm-hmm. but other times it wants the affection of people. It wants to be popular. Mm-hmm. It wants to shift the voting. It wants to just get you to leave where you're at to follow me not because I really want you, but because I hate the person you work for. Right. And yeah. so there's all these intricate ideas of trying to woo people away. And uh, so God sets up in the Ten Commandments, we aren't going to be driven by this covetousness. This covetousness is the root. It produces sin and evil in you, but then it works outwardly to corrupt people. So you're trying to separate them from good gifts God's given them or separate them from people that are gifts that God has given. And so really, that's where the the positive now of this commandment is in gratitude and being content. Yes. And the way to be content, and the thing I would teach my kids with covetousness, is instead of coveting, replace it with another C word, contentment. Mm -hmm. And that comes by daily giving thanks for every gift you have, recognizing that God has worked it, God has provided for it, God is working with you to work with it, give him thanks. List 10 things every day that you're thankful for and people around you, and then pray to God and say, God, thank you for all your good gifts. Mm -hmm. This 
will ha- you have to do this to fight against a culture that says, uh, to quote 20-year-old commercials from Burger King, I got to have it my way. Right, right. <laughs> or I deserve this, or people don't deserve that because they're evil and I'm good. And you're going to hear all that, and you might be, it might be true, mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We are the carriers of God's grace and love towards him and towards one another. Mm-hmm. So we ought to be working to keep people in their inheritance, whether they deserve it or not. We ought to be keeping people in their positions and at their places of work and where their allegiance has been made. We are working to solidify that mm-hmm. because that's good and right. And so where our hearts start to break, that's where we repent and recognize that we have covetousness. Yeah, and that's where we begin to learn like, to thank God mm-hmm. for what we have and then to leave like, what our neighbor has yeah. to them and go, that's something that God's given them. And it's not for me to judge whether or not they deserve that yeah. gift. And so instead of trying to take their gifts from them is you start praying and start acting to preserve your yes. neighbor's uh, belongings and relationships. Uh, another thought I had while we were talking about this is this is the sin that led Satan mm-hmm. uh, to overthrow Adam and Eve in the garden as he coveted their position mm-hmm. of authority that God had placed they he had placed humanity over the garden and he coveted that position and went to undermine that and take it away from them right yeah it all comes from a fear love and trust of God though when you have a faith that God is providing for you and giving you all these things you're then able to pray for and love others instead mm-hmm. of trying to steal or manipulate um, what they have. I like uh, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And really the idea is when you are nervous or scared or you think other people have what you want, start to delight yourself in the Lord. Because remember, God is pleased with your love towards him and love towards one another. Mm -hmm. So the God who has all things to give, he's not going to be pleased by your manipulating and hurting So to be in good standing with this God, thank him for all that he's given and make room for him to give more. And uh, he will give more, especially to those who are going to love him and love their neighbor as themselves. But who can do this, right? Right. So this is the ninth commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? means we should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. This is the 10th commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's spouse, servants, or animals, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean, Adam? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife workers or animals, or turn them against him, but urge them to stay and do their duty. So this concludes the Ten Commandments. This is the first section of our baby steps. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to say in conclusion that all of these commandments run through the first. Yes. Which is, you shall not have any other God before me, which in summary means 
We should fear, love, and trust God. Right, because whatever you fear, love, and trust, and you can, you can look at this in your own life. For most of us, we are daily uh, tempted and fail at fearing, loving, and trusting our jobs. And when you do that, whatever you fear, love, and trust will set your identity, set your security, and set your purpose in life. And it will skew it if it is not the God of all life. So if you let work set those things, fear, love, and trust, uh, your identity then is as that, as whatever your job is, is your identity. And your security is how, how good you do at that job. And then your purpose is you better not fail at that job. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you fear, love, and trust God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the author of life, your identity is a child of faith, your security is in the work of Christ, and your purpose is to love him and love your neighbor as yourself. So we, from the beginning, set everything on fear, love, and trust in God. And that's why he sets forth these commandments. And these commandments do not think that you obey them all uh, perfectly or that you ever even have. Right. In fact, these commandments are so demanding that uh, you ought to feel a little bit crushed by them. Yeah. <laughs> we, you, by us going through these, you should feel like, I need help. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not good. And this is where uh, the biggest issue we have at this point in history is I can say fear, love, and trust God. You can understand love and you can understand trust. You do not understand fear (laughs) because we've made God not scary, which I'm glad for. We come to him through Jesus. But the reality is the Ten Commandments are to instill fear in you. Mm -hmm. You should be scared because you have sinned against him and against his kids repeatedly with no hope of changing it. You do murder, you do commit adultery, you do steal. Every time you talk bad about someone, every time you want, you do covet, you do have idolatry. And so there is fear like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that's a gift of the Holy Spirit who allows you to realize there's a God and you're in trouble. Now that makes room for the gospel and for the good news that through repentance comes assurance of salvation. And now, and it's even in the Ten Commandments, right? It so, is. Yes. Yeah. You, you do you want me to read it? it? I'll read it. So, right at the very beginning of the Ten Commandments, this goes over all of them. He says, "I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." So if you catch this, this goes over every commandment. So if you hate the Lord, this is all judgment. Mm -hmm. You have failed and you are stuck under that failure. But if you have turned to love the Lord, like I know we have, and the people listening to this have, he will show love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. This is what's going over. So the fear is, oh God, I've broken your commandments But then the grace is, but Jesus Christ has kept them and he has applied the work of Christ to my heart so that now these 10 commandments are, uh, they are a curb. They're showing me this is not right. I was not created to live like this. They're a mirror. Oh, wow, this is where I'm messing up. And then by the work of the Holy Spirit, they become a guide so that now I am living in a way that's not just not coveting, but working for the good of others. This is the promised work of God in Christ. And it's uh, the Ten Commandments become a channel through mm-hmm. which good works flow. Right. 
So you, we need to look at the Ten Commandments as a place of judgment, but then salvation and promise that God is recreating a people who will love the Lord and love their neighbor as themselves. He's promised to do it. He's given us a way to do it. And he's continuing to work these words in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So we shouldn't neglect them. Let them stir up fear, love, and trust always. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. 